0: <laughs> my you he
1: know? just hates Batman, that's all That's also
0: a key factor In why I like Superman Because um, he is better than Batman Just plain and simple um, Wow is, is, so, man, You were having
2: such a good conversation wow. Like you don't want to start those philosophical fights
0: What?
2: i do fighting words right deal with, you what I
1: deal with in the chat That's what I got to deal with in the chat
3: Welcome to Issues on Issues, a weekly podcast series brought to you by the team at Brilliance, where we share our take on all aspects related to the graphic novel industry. We discuss and debate current events within the comic community and allegorical themes illustrated in various creative works. This week, we're going to speak to a team out of Chicago called Rising Eagle Comics and discuss some of the projects coming out of their shop. For the deep dive, we discuss Dark Blood by Latoya Morgan. But first... We discussed some current events, including the surprise shakeup in Disney, Sony's expansion of the Spider-Verse, AWA Studios, and finally, Blade is back, baby. Please be advised that our conversations may contain spoilers of the works discussed. Stick with us for more right after this quick commercial break.
4: Comic book creators Revolutionize your platform, supercharge your value, engage your fans like never before. Welcome to Brilliance. Current e publishing models limit your access to readers, impose pricing restrictions, and offer tiny royalties. Brilliance is a new e publishing platform. At Brilliance, crowdfund concepts, connect with your readers, set your prices, and enjoy royalties that endure. Let's establish this new paradigm together. Learn more at brilliance.io. That's brilliance.io. Sign up today to publish for free.
3: All right, all right, we're back. What's going on, Brent?
0: Chilling, baby.
5: Just getting ready for Thanksgiving.
3: Yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Yeah, man. So what's going on in the news in your world? What's any Anything interesting you want to share?
5: I think the biggest uh, piece of news that just happened, uh, there was a big shakeup over at Disney where former CEO Bob Chapek was replaced by his predecessor, Bob Iger, who comes back after uh, a couple years uh, off from the company.
3: This is crazy, man. This is crazy. Like what happened like Sunday, Sunday, you just mid like late Sunday night, all of a sudden you hear reports that the board oust Chapek and bringing back Iger. I mean, you know, I, I follow this. I've been following this, this saga for a while now. It's just been crazy, you know, because, you know, okay. First of all, let, let's, you mind if I go ahead and just talk for a little bit? Hey, you're here, go for it. Yeah. So let, let's take a step back, right? And think about Iger and, and who he is, right? Because you have Michael Eisner. You remember Michael Eisner? Yeah. So, so Michael Eisner was the CEO of Disney. Like, that was our CEO, like, during our childhood. And, you know, they, they say, like, he brought in, like, he was, like, the renaissance of Disney. So he brought in, you remember, like, Lion King and, like, Little Mermaid and the acquisition of ABC and ESPN. Like, he did that. So, you know, he had a huge legacy right there. And then like towards the end, he kind of started fading. And I guess there was like a little bored coup and they ousted him and brought in Iger. You know, I wasn't really, you know, following business news like that at the time. But, you know, I think if I were, I would think, how is this guy gonna like take over from Michael Eisner who who basically built Disney into what everybody knew it was, which at that time it was, it was huge, right? But then here comes Iger and Iger takes it to the next level. Like, I mean, you know, he's he's known for his his deal making ability. So, you know, obviously everybody knows he brings in Star Wars. He, you know, Lucas Films. He brings in Marvel. He brings in Pixar. And then he, right before he leaves, he ushers in this next evolution of Disney with Disney Plus. Right? I mean, he he literally like brought Disney to the next level. Um, So I think he did a phenomenal job. There was like, (laughs) he was supposed to retire like three times. And every time he, he kept coming back for more. And um, I think if anything, I think one of Iger's biggest failures actually is, is Chapek, right? Because I mean, he chose Chapek to take over and, he never wanted to retire he kept saying "Chapek's the guy Chapek's the guy but then he he kept coming back and didn't want to retire eventually he retires and then when he does retire i don't know if you remember but like instead of leaving he says like, i'm gonna be executive chairman so he still stayed on board he never wanted to leave and then you know there was rumors even when he finally left that he was kind of um behind the scenes kind of fighting with chapek so i think there was always Not always bad blood, but I think more recently there was some bad blood. So I'm pretty sure he had something to do with it.
5: Yeah, I feel like Bob Chapek was in a no-win situation to begin with. He obviously comes from a different part of the company. He was head of the theme parks. And uh, I think that was his primary focus. Unfortunately, he came in right when COVID came. So uh, obviously there was a lot of theme parks that were unvisited so he didn't really have a chance to really maybe implement the vision he wanted and then aside from that uh just this last quarter the the earnings for disney were really down i think they said they lost 1.5 below what they were expected that was so just that an really excuse the, man i think that was just an excuse Oh well, yeah it sent the stock price uh spiraling so you know, I think they wanted someone to come back who they who they know, who they felt comfortable with. And honestly, the the new push to go to streaming for Disney Plus is uh, one of their big revenue sources. I think they're leaning on for the future, and they feel like Iger's the better guy to kind of run that, in
3: my opinion. Yeah, I mean, like the the whole stock stock market is down, right? All, all the big companies are, are are down. So for them to use that as the reason why after they just they just renewed his contract, right. This for another two years. And they said, he's the man, he's the man, you know, and then to say all of a sudden that, you know, that he has a little bit of a, he has a bad quarter. So we're getting rid of him (laughs) overnight. Right. You know, there was more to the story. I mean, well, yeah, for sure. I mean, and obviously there was other things, obviously he,
5: uh, the whole legislature in uh, Florida thing, the the exact work he had with governor DeSantis, uh, you know, just just different things i mean yeah yeah, all that It it all kind of all plays into that so you know uh when they had something they could actually physically point to they they used it as the as as the
3: signal (laughs) to go ahead and make the move I, i mean you always talk about like it's it's a relationship business and i think you know they they always talk about the the um you know, the ability to have relationships and, and be a people person is so important. And, and I think they always talk about Chapek not being able to do that. You know, they they talk about how he fumbled Scarlett Johansson, like you said, with the don't say gay bill and the issues he was having with the employees. He just wasn't able to connect um, like you would need to do for, to, to play that role as CEO for a company like Disney. So I think they've been doing actually a pretty good job with Disney Plus, though. So.
5: Yeah, um, another piece of news that's out there right now, uh, it seems that Sony has put in order to create multiple Spider-Man-themed series that were going to air on MGM Plus domestically and on Amazon Prime worldwide. Um, And they've tapped Angela Kang, who is the Walking Dead uh, showrunner, to come in. And she's going to start by creating a show centered around silk uh korean american born spider-man variant and uh she is uh obviously of asian descent so it's really exciting that you know they're gonna play into that uh what do you think about that job
3: yeah i'm excited i'm really excited about that you know that they're playing off the model of um uh, into the spider-verse um with miles morales so, so they're kind of using that as a frame of reference and i'm excited to see where that goes you know i love my animation and everything so they seem like they have a lot of characters that they can build out in that franchise.
5: Yeah, yeah. And, you know, they you mentioned uh, Into the Spider-Verse. They actually have partnered with Phil Lord and Chris Miller, who were the writers of the
3: Into the Spider-Verse
5: movie. So um, that's exciting that, you know, it's a good team. And I feel like these are interesting characters and, and fascinating stories to look at, you know, going forward. And then another piece of news, AWA Studios just had a recent announcement saying that they were adding uh, new partners to kind of come in and, and work with them. You want to talk about that a little bit, Joff?
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, I don't moan, know too much about this. You know, AWA Studios uh, partnered with some some well-known uh, creators, Reginald Hudlin, Greg Hertowitz, Laretta, because I can't pronounce her last name, this. Uh Joseph... Hey, Azinthi. better than me. Good job. <laughs> you know, I'm not good with names, man. And Al Madrigal and um so you know all these these uh creators come with a nice portfolio of, of work and um so it's exciting to see it, to me just reading the idea of awa studios it's kind of like a hybrid i would say between when you think of like image comics versus you know the, the the big two and um because they're talking about basically they're going to be giving a lot of ip rights and royalties to the creators Um, But at the same time, still having um, the backing of like as far as capital of like a big studio. So um, it's exciting to see. And the the vision is, you know, they're they're taking, um, you know, they're allowing these creators to kind of help set a foundation to build characters based in graphic novels. But with that idea that it's going to be not just for graphic novels, but for an entire uh, multi-platform ecosystem, whether it be, you know, animation or movies, et cetera. So it's going to be really exciting to see. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And you got your boy Reginald Hudlin right there. So we'll see what they could do.
5: Yeah, and no, I'm, I'm a big fan of his work. Uh, hopefully he gets in, uh, you know, and, and is able to do some stuff with Marvel again. Because we want to talk about uh, Blade had some big news the other day they actually finally found their director and uh after a long long kind of i don't want to say hiatus but <laughs> okay
3: um i don't know too much about the director what i am excited is that they're getting things back on track so that's exciting and there are sounds like they're going in the direction of going dark and gritty and shooting for the, the r rating so i mean i'm excited about that I look, i'm looking forward to to what they can produce, and you know, if Marshal Ali is on, on board with it, um, then it's all good.
2: There's never been anything like this. Hello and welcome to the Highly Minded
5: Podcast. We always say that low minds talk about people, average <laughs> minds
2: talk about events, and high minds talk about ideas. We talk about it all. Or, uh,
0: yeah. You already know.
5: <laughs> Available now on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all of your other favorite podcast platforms.
3: All right, guys. All right, all right, all right. So let's discuss "Dark Blood" by Boom Studios. The writer is Latoya Morgan. Artist is Walt Barna. Colorist Miguel Muerto. Um, and the reason why I came across this book, um, honestly, I, I saw the cover and I was like, "Oh, this is interesting." And then I saw the um, the writer and um, Latoya Morgan. I looked her up and. You know, I didn't know who she was initially, but when I looked her up, I saw that, you know, she's she's been a writer for hit shows like uh, American Horror Story, The Walking Dead and Shameless. Um, I enjoyed all of those. And she's also done some work. Um, she was a co-executive producer and writer on Into the Badlands, which is kind of cool. I never really watched all of it, but I thought it's kind of cool. Um, and then I saw recently she she uh, struck a deal with um, Warner Brothers to have her production company. um have a ha, she has a contract with uh, Warner Brothers for a production company Tinker Toy Productions. So I was like, "Oh, this is pretty cool. Let me let me see what this is about." Um, so I'm just gonna just describe quickly what this book is about. Um, it takes place in the 1950s. Protagonist is Avi Aldridge, a uh, so World War II vet who uh, was a member of the Red Tails, and basically the Red Tails were um, fighter pilots that escorted the, the bombers um, during World War II. Um, and- Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah, he was a member of the Tuskegee Airmen. And um, so he, he works at the local diner and to provide for his family. And he's also wrestling with uh, mental and physical traumas from the war, as well as the everyday ridiculousness of living in the Jim Crow South. And uh, the series of six issues, you know, they, they track two different timelines, one being Avery's experience in World War II and the other his life in, in the South um, during this period. And um, the stories are kind of linked together by the letters of correspondence between avery and his wife um, and at some point you realize that avery has developed some special powers and so the is about him trying to stay one step ahead of the people chasing him while he figures out um, the truth about what happened to him so um i thought this might be interesting i thought there was uh, some interesting topics that that came up in reading this that I thought we might enjoy discussing. So I I brought it to you guys to see if you'd be interested in in discussing it. So what are your
5: thoughts? Britt? Uh, I mean, I really love seeing this time period depicted in comics. I like how they uh, like, I think that the idea of you having to come into your power and, and take it, is a really interesting thing, especially when people are, are not trying to allow you to be all that you can be. And I, I really like the fact that we did it through this vehicle of a black man who was, who's living in the South in, in, you know, in a racially segregated time. And he has to figure out how to wield his power. So it doesn't necessarily threaten other people because it could, easily be dangerous for him to, to, to be seem too powerful. But like, then again, he has to also use, wield that power. And it's like, just like the Razor's line of how to, how to, how to, you know, live his life without, you know, going too far one way or the other. Yeah. What'd you think, Chris?
6: I mean, there's, there's a lot of themes here, right? And I think, you know, my, my initial, what is my initial reaction to like the, the book itself, the six books? six issues was that you know it it tackles a few very I think well-known at least or at least within our community well-known themes but it feels a bit bit on the nose um you know I I think I think um you know it gets a couple key points across and I think some of the issues that are reflected in the 1950s concerns that a char- like a black character would have in the 1950s in a comic book or even in real life. Um, you know, they're they're still relevant today. And that that so that some of that, like for example, you know, him like I will get into it, but you know, there's some medical experimentation that he undergoes that, you know, is under the guise of like health care for him and um and, and it's just those types of issues are, you know, those that kind of have parallels even in today's society as you look at like pushes for um, diversity in clinical trials um, and getting like the black community more involved in, um, in medical investigation, um, it really does tie to like, you know, real life, real life trauma and, you know, issues that are reflected in this book. And so when I say it's on the notes, sometimes I feel like they're just ripping or she's, she's like pulling without, you know, without even covering up, just just keep pulling and copying into this storyline, you know, parallels from from the 1960s.
3: Right, I mean that's very close, right? With the Tuskegee uh, ex- syphilis experiments, and and you know this guy being a you know Tuskegee airman, right. And dealing with uh, these this this doctor experimenting on this community,
6: right? And and you know unbeknownst to them, right? They just oh it's a clinic down the street. This guy seems you know, benevolent and and you know he wants to help the community and he's independently funded, so no problems there with the money. All the questions are answered. Um, come have your family checked out, and then it's like. You know, he's experimenting with a compound on these people.
5: Yeah. And it's like, you know, the idea that, you know, uh you're, you're reaching out to someone or you think that someone's helping you and just being benevolent, you know, for th- just out of the kindness of their heart. But just knowing that on the back end, you know, perhaps they're exploiting you for things that you might not see on the surface and you just have to be careful about who you trust. And like, you know, again, it goes to the, the idea of like, you know, who can you trust in the society and how much do you want to put yourself out there when, you know, there are blatantly examples of people trying to exploit and take advantage of you. Mm -hmm. How, how, how do you learn to trust? How do you learn to open up? How do you learn to accept society how do you learn to be accepted in society if you don't have that you know basic level of trust amongst each other
6: yeah yeah
3: you know it, it's interesting that <laughs> um, you know i'm gonna since we're talking about this this error and um you know you're thinking about the civil rights leaders you know malcolm and martin they both talk to that kind of idea of you know their quote allies were, were not really their allies you know um and malcolm would would talk about you know he wasn't afraid of or it's not the conservatives that he was he was more concerned about it it, it was that the the liberals because you know that the, the conservatives are more like the wolf you know the wolf but the you know the liberals are more like the fox they kind of hide and and um you know those are the ones you need to be afraid of and and you know that's kind of an example from From this this doctor who you thought oh he was so nice he's not like the others you know he actually the guy who was hurt he helped him get up and told him you know he's gonna take care of him just come doesn't have to pay you know only lo and behold to find out that not everything is is on the up and up yeah Martin actually
5: has a really great quote with that he said uh, the the Negro's greatest enemy isn't like the citizen councilman or the Ku Klux Klaner it's the ordinary white person who's more dedicated to order than to justice.
0: Mhm.
6: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know. And, and and it is a uniquely a, a uniquely black perspective, right? I mean, it, this idea that, you know, trust but verify, um, and or like, you know, nothing is nothing comes for free, that that's not I don't think that's everybody's reality. But it is it, it is part of the learned history of being black in America. And, and you know, that's highlighted by things like the Tuskegee experiment. It's highlighted by things like healthcare inequity. It's, it's you know it's highlighted by a, a various different places where you see you know a second class citizenship start to emerge, or at least that you know a, a group like like being treated as if they're second class citizens. And so it, it is. And I, and I say that to say that you know I was listening to this podcast recently. Uh, I don't I can't remember what it was, but I think it was on the NPR and interviewing Eric Holder. Did you guys hear this? They interviewed Eric Holder and they're asking him just like some basic questions like, oh, like, you know, I, I didn't know this, but apparently he grew up down the street from Malcolm X.
0: Mm-hmm. So they
6: were like, yeah. hey, like, you know, you grew up down the street from Malcolm X and like, you know, and they asked a few questions. like Oh, what was it like? And he's like, yeah, I didn't really know the man, but I knew he was a man of importance. Um, you know, there was an age difference. But he talk about they talk about Eric and they talk about his father and how his father fought in the war, similar to this. The, the, to the, to, you know, to dark blood, his father f- fights in the war, then comes back to a homecoming where he's a second class citizen, right. And then in a way like he, and he's kind of like, look, like this is my country and this is, this is how it is. And like, and Eric's like, you know, my dad loved his country and, you know, he understood that certain things were just the way they were and he, he made peace with it. But like, you know, Eric was like, my perspective was different. And, you know, I, I think what he implied by that was that they had a different relationship as a result. But this idea that like you know he goes off, fights a war, comes back, and then he's like you know, harass- His family's harassed. and He's in a diner and he's mopping up the floor and you know he gets he gets harassed and you know and that's just the reality that you come back for after like risking your life to protect bombers as you know like the Tuskegee, Tuskegee Airmen you know they never lost a bomber and. It's, it's one of those things where, um, that, that, that dichotomy of like be what it's like to be in America and to love America, but also to not be loved by America is, is, you know, it's one of those themes that's in this book, but it is, it's still relevant today. Yeah. That, that
3: was a good interview. I, I remember it now. You talked about him doing the the sit-ins. Um, I think he was, was he at Yale or, or wherever mm-hmm. he was and right. his parents, you know, they were more conservative and they wished he would just like, <laughs> you know, do what he's supposed to do.
6: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, but yeah, it also kind of reminds me of um, I don't know if you guys listened to the, the sixteen nineteen project or, or uh, they had a lot of different uh, media formats for that. They had the the writings, but they also had a, a podcast series, and um, to me, that was one of the most um, it, it was an impactful uh, podcast series. And you know, it talked to the experience of the narrator, and she would talk about you know the country that your your family's from and you know african americans you know because of the way um the history of of slavery and being robbed of our our you know our heritage as far as knowing our where we came from and our our names and our language religion and, and, and all of that um we basically are americans um that that is our culture that that's what we know and um you know she they, they asked them to bring in like the flags of where they're where they're from and um you know there, there was something I, f- I forgot what she ended up doing if if she just picked a, a random country in africa and pointed to it and said that because you know she was ashamed that you know she didn't know or didn't have it or she said that um you know it was the american flag i, I, f- I forgot what she what she said but the point was that you know her family fought in the war you know they're proud americans and it goes to your point chris about being you know that that relationship that many um, African Americans wrestle with of of being proud uh, Americans, but at the same time, you know, being Americans in a country that doesn't necessarily love them back. You know, well said. You, yeah.
6: Okay. I, just to, to point to some other things about this particular book, you know, there are there are some I would say there are some like some some common tropes too. For example. Or not, I wouldn't call it a trope. It's just recognition of some common tropes, like so, for example, like magical Negro, right? I mean, that's that's essentially what the main character becomes. And then there's like a nature connection, like this idea that like he is somehow connected to the world around him in some innate way, right? And I, 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 I maybe I'm stretching, but I draw that from the scar on his back. So you know, he hits that electric fence, uh, it scars him. It's part, part of his war injuries. He has his back. His back is bothering him. But, you know, between the books, there's an image of a tree. And then, of course, like the scar on his back looks like a tree. He's able to conjure up some type of power. Uh, you know, uh, these are all, you know, things that we see, you know, commonly in Hollywood, like, you know, black people being associated with nature um, or being magical and things like that. And so I think that she, I don't know if it's, I can't tell if it's on purpose or not, but she's like, she really hit like almost everyone. Um as she, as she kind of goes through you know building out this world for uh for her book series
3: yeah now when you read the the first one the like issue one did did you want to read more you because for for myself you know i read one and I, I was i was hopeful i was curious to see where is this gonna go you know i don't i don't know how you
6: guys felt nah because i want to escape and that didn't feel like an escape to me
2: Mm
6: -hmm. what were your thoughts Brett?
5: i i I mean you know i think we've seen this story a lot you know Mm -hmm. uh i mean obviously it was it was well done but it was not necessarily uh totally original in that (laughs) you know like i mean like we look at um captain america the of what's the black dude who was captain america um and they showed him a little bit in the Falcon and Winter Soldier uh, yeah, Disney okay, plus, plus movie, but you know, like again, just a, a a black man who was experimented. Luke Cage was a black man who was experimented on, mm-hmm. you know, who's trying to figure out how to how to get out of his situation. Like you know, there's a there's there, we've kind of seen it before, <laughs> but I mean, I I love the historical context of it, and again, just the time period of itness of it, I thought was really cool.
3: Yeah, what's the name of that uh, series that was um, Lovecraft uh, Country? Was that what it was?
6: Yeah, I think that's yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed that. I thought that was um, that was sci-fi, fantasy, uh, but more more nuanced, um, and I, I enjoyed that. Um, I don't know if, if they take this Dark Blood series and they adapt it for um, – you know tv that they'll be able to build the world a little bit more um complex and, and nuanced um but that would that would be my hope I, I do did find it was kind of just to chris's point on the nose
6: it didn't really um end with anything i wanted to like read more about either like, i think maybe the ending could have left a little bit more or teased a little bit more than it did i mean what did it just end with his daughter looking like she had powers too or something like that
3: well, that so a couple of things, right? The daughter has powers and he has the list and he's going across the country to, I guess, inform people that have been experimented on to let them know, to make sure they're either make sure they're OK or, or maybe join forces and do something. Just
6: pause there, like let them know what, because his inter- his interrogation of the two people who knew what what was what was atrocious. And he learns. <laughs> he learns nothing, right? He comes off. I'm sorry. I, I just what? am frustrated, right? Because the character is like, he doesn't come across very. I, I say, um, like he's he's not very enterprising, and he doesn't really figure out kind of like what his end goal is. He's just kind of reacting, and and it's it's in some of the stuff. It's like, well, you know, you you really need to kind of figure out, like, okay, like you've got these two guys. You ask them what happened, why, but you never find out. Like you're just satisfied with just getting being angry about it. And so if he's going across the country, I'll just leave it here. Like, he's going across the country to tell people, what what is he going to, he learned nothing. So what can he tell them? Just that, hey, you might have powers. Mm -hmm. They they might hurt you if you use them.
3: I don't know. Um, And then the other thing is that he's going to possibly be like the security guard for Martin Luther King.
4: Are you a comic book creator looking for a new or additional engagement platform for your community? Then come take a look at Brilliance. Brilliance is a blockchain powered platform where authors can publish eBooks, crowdfund new creative ideas, and connect with their readers. With Brilliance, authors can set royalties that endure beyond the initial sale to include royalties on resale of the book. That's right. Unlike many other ebook providers, Brilliance allows users to resell their books on the marketplace and with each sale, the original creator will receive their royalty payment directly to their account. Authors are free to price their works however they would like. Unlike other platforms, Brilliance does not pressure creators into pricing restrictions. By unlocking pricing, Brilliance allows for natural price discovery and a true relationship between the creator and their devoted readership. Additionally, by leveraging Brilliance's blockchain technology, authors can access all the readers who have owned their work or even works of a similar genre. This gives the authors an opportunity to build their own distribution lists, connect directly with their fan bases, and grow their unique community. There are many more benefits to this game-changing platform. Learn more and sign up by going to brilliance.io. That's brilliance.io. Let's establish a new paradigm.
2: So yeah, so let's go back into it. So John, so tell me, which properties are you working on over at uh,
0: Rising Eagle? So I I do Sergeant Soul, that's my original one. That's where actually everything started at, so we can come back to that. And I do Connie, which is the most recent drop for me. I released that earlier this year. Okay, so then tell us
2: Sergeant Soul, right? Kind of like the basis, kind of what you guys first came together, working on that
0: one? Yeah, so Star Soul was really the first thing I created. So 2016, Civil War comes out, and we see Black Panther on screen for the first time. Mm -hmm. Um, And that kind of really sparked something in me. I'm like, I want to give people that feeling, give people something like this. So I decided I want to combine the two things I love, which was writing and superheroes, comic books, stuff like that. Let me jump in here. So, Greg, so let me talk to you about, it. so What's up, man? you guys have a shared universe, right? Yeah. It's,
2: it, it, it's Sergeant soul and there's Connie. And then. I'm um,
1: Showtime. He's basically a, a kid. He's 19 year old. He finds out he's in a comic book. But he's basically just trying to change the narrative of his story. Wow. So it's like, so it's definitely, it's got that Deadpool-esque fourth wall humor to a degree,
5: Yeah.
1: but it got the Spider-Man responsibility with the invincible level of violence. If I can,
3: like, <laughs> if okay. I can just, like, mix them up you. and like,
1: put them all together.
3: Gotcha. Yeah.
1: So, like, Grant Morrison is someone I've been reading a lot. And, like, he writes really heavy meta commentary, like, comics from the the, the entire Batman run he did a couple years back to the Animal, Animal Man run in, like, 88. I've been binge reading that. So, I, I definitely like the right, like, meta commentary. I don't like the right straightforward. I definitely want you to think, but I want you to have a good time while, you you know, you're reading this. And that way you can have those, oh, 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 okay. I see why he did that. In like issue two, page four, you know, I want you to just run back to it and then just full circle
2: it. Okay, so so, 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 so let's full circle this now. So then Greg and John, right, you guys came together. How do your properties connect? Like, how does that work? Like, how do you, and how do you even figure out like where your storyline is going and how does it connect to this other storyline? How does it all come together?
1: So uh, I, Murph was pretty we're pretty meticulous. Well, I'm pretty meticulous on like timelines and like how we can shift it because you know comics. There's always like a, a sliding thing going on, so we kind of have a very sliding timeline. But Sergeant Souls of the, the first active, but he's not the first known hero for us. If that you know if that makes sense, because we have time, you have other characters, other properties that, have, yeah. as we introduce, have been there longer. But Sergeant Souls got he's like Superman. He's gotten that infamy first, really.
4: Mm-hmm.
1: And then get like he didn't get blackballed out for the infamy that other characters
0: may have gotten mm-hmm. early on. And so we're building towards like an active, sprawling universe in the sense of we have events planned already in which all of our like crossover events and events that are reset and change uh, parts of timeline.
3: So you both are are writers, right? Um, oh yeah. And so do you have a partner that does illustration?
0: Not yet. We're uh, we all use different artists. Um, We're all outsourcing right now. Okay, but we are actively. We're always actively looking for
1: definitely some in-house
0: artists for sure. because we understand how how much easier it can be when you can have a guy like yo, can you you know turn out this promo or something like that, or have some a story sketched out and just or have someone dedicated to just your set of scripts and things. Like, two years ago, for our, uh, like, anniversary, I had the idea to do a... a like, a
1: character every day for, like, 30 days or something like that. Yeah, I want
0: to do, like, a month of releases. Like, every day, I drop a different character from the universe. So, leading up to that, I tried, like, tons of artists. Like, I just wanted every character that we had ever thought of sketched out or done on the print so that we could release a character every day for a month. And it was a pretty dope feeling. I'd say we have... Probably over 50.
1: I think about 50, 60, give or take. I to, you got to look at that
2: spreadsheet. So you have a spreadsheet that details your universe and, and what characters? From, yeah. from powers to tier lists, how will we tier them. Yeah, we got all of that, man. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that's, that's dope because, you know, I never really thought about that because there are some times where, like, you'll see, like, a character, like, like well, someone will fight the Hulk and beat the Hulk. And then next time around, you see the Hulk come in and, like, break a planet. You'll be like, <laughs> power level. <laughs> yeah, we really, try to keep you know, scaling like, relative a little bit.
1: We ain't trying to go yeah, through yeah, that yeah, of proud of just <laughs> good,
2: You know? So that's a lot of forethought. Like, have were you guys, are you guys like in a writer's room together like concocting to these ideas? How does that work?
1: So like if we're together, you know, if all three of us, all the entire team together, we'll just sit there, talk and we'll jot down notes or we're mostly in the group chat because we're all working most of the time. Yeah. So it's an idea. Someone comes with an idea. One of us will be like, "Hey, man, I don't know if that should be X, Y, and Z." You know, maybe we should scale it down to this because of this. Yeah, I more so the yeah. I'm a little more harsher than the rest of my teammates. I definitely break them down a bit on how to scale things down a bit.
0: Our group okay. chat is uh, is going probably twenty hours out today with someone saying something. Just like he said, we're dropping new ideas. We're critiquing other ideas we're you know just rehashing old ideas so wait a lot of this
2: stuff is already written is all it produced so far
0: so yeah no we have tons written but in production i think we got about three right now so uh then that's like the artists have already received the script and started working on sketches and stuff like that so we're planning on making next year a pretty big big year on releases we're trying to be at have more cons Pop up events every with everything for yep. the new year. We're going to do a Kickstarter for all of our second issues. So that's Connie two, Showtime two, and uh, Legacy number two. That Kickstarter is probably going to start in January. Yeah. Okay. So if every all the listeners check that out. Go ahead. You got to give us that info. If you go to RisingComics and subscribe to the page, get that you, first issue so free, man. Go go get that. You get that first issue starting so free, and then you can also uh be on the mailing list so we can let you know when the kickstarter drops and you can uh be the first to grab that yeah that's so man I, no we feel you funding the dream man i believe me i've been there
2: like i'm I'm an aspiring writer myself i've been on yeah. deviant art i've been on facebook i've been you know emailing people trying to figure out like you know just like 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 who can draw this character who draws this design like do i want it to be like like little kitty do i want it to be like super edgy and rough you know sometimes yeah. like the, the the edgy rough guy is the one guy you have you know your characters might be a little bit soft but you're like you figure out a way to to you know work these situations out and um you know it's it's tough so for you know i'm sure for listeners out there you know everyone who was interested in this in this medium like you re- realize like it's the grind, artistry yeah the grind exactly how, <laughs> how you're trying to figure out how to na- navigate and maneuver all these different things. And uh, I mean, we, we're definitely seeing it out of you guys right now, for sure.
4: Yeah.
3: Man, I'm excited about the the whole, the whole, all these characters, I'm, you know, you know what comes to my mind, Brit? Keep come, the, the Marvel cards, you know? Yeah. You, you know, you get all the, the power levels and everything like that. We, uh, you yeah.
1: know, we might do something like that, but we don't, hey. don't want yeah. to spoil too much. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I can spoil a, a small little crossover early because I'm writing it first. so I. <laughs> In Showtime 4, we got our first introduction of Sergeant Soul versus Showtime. Nice. That's our uh, that's our small, first crossover spoiler right
2: there. So let me ask you this, who who wins?
1: Like, who, <laughs> <I even laughs> who wins? You asked ask John, you gave opinion, you asked me, you, I got an opinion, you know? We're, we're uh, I you know, I try to be as unbiased as possible, and he edited over it. Like,
0: <laughs> the first time he sent me the script of Showtime 4, and I read the fight. I have to call him like you real slick. <laughs> like, you tried to pull a fast one, but but I'm not. I'm not yeah. So there's a, It's it's a good fight though. We'll say that. Okay. No, I try, okay. I try, to okay. Keep it,
1: I try to keep it balanced, man. I try to keep it a little balanced in fun while
2: I'm doing. It. Yeah, that's dope, man. That's dope, man. And All right, so, we got less than a minute. I don't. I don't. I don't want to cut off before we just say what's up. Do you guys have anything else you want to say? Like your socials um, or anything? I don't know.
1: Uh, follow uh, us
0: on Rising Eagle Comics. Uh that's our social media handle on everything. Uh Murph, what you got? Yeah. Uh Ryzen, check out risingcomics.com. Uh make sure you sign up uh for the mailing list and get the first issue of Sergeant Soul free and uh get the links to all our merch and uh and, and social suit. All
3: right. It's been good, fellas.
0: Appreciate that's the job.
3: All right, everybody, that's our show. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at issues.on.issues, YouTube at issuesonissues, and Twitter at comics underscore issues. We'd love to hear from you, so email us at comics at brilliance.io. Please like, share, and subscribe to our show to continue the conversation. This podcast was edited by Britt. Special thanks to him for putting this all together.